Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, welcome to Wellspring Solutions, Emotional and Spiritual Wellness. This is Sharon Wegman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kate Byler. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Reading, Pennsylvania, which is a suburb of Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) And uh, I run a private practice here in Wyomissing, and we really enjoy teaching. And Kate, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm a student right now at Jefferson University for their Community Trauma and Counseling Program. And I have been interning a little over a year now with Sharon, and I have one semester left until Woo-hoo! I'm not a grad student anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is where I spend most of my time in graduate school. Right. So today um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about sex, most specifically sex in the Christian community or mm-hmm. the beliefs related to sex. Yeah, for the most part, I would say. And a lot in marriage, too. Would like sex sex in marriage. marriage, right. So if you're not married, don't listen to this. It'll <laughs> stir you up. <laughs> but um, if you are married and you are someone who follows Christ in how you try to live life, I think it's important to kind of examine the topic of sex because we see a lot of people coming into our practice with very confused belief systems. Yeah, a lot and a lot of shame. Lots of shame tied to sex, lots of confusion tied to sex, <laughs> and unfortunately lots of yeah, and <laughs> lots of um beliefs that are causing problems within the marriage. Right. And a lot of the second they even say sex, their entire faces beat red. So not even having ever known how to talk about sex, which further leads to those problems in marriage, because not knowing how to speak up about them, too. So um, what we're going to be talking about is um, the idea that... Okay, sorry about that. We somehow did not take a phone off the hook, and we got a little... Sidetrack, so we stopped for a second. Um, Talking about, don't yes, know how to talk about yes, sex. Yes, people marriage. don't know how to talk about sex. Um, yeah, I talk about sex probably a couple hours a day yeah. <laughs> with clients. And so that I'm pretty comfortable talking about it. I've had to draw diagrams for people. Mm-hmm. I've had to physically draw things out on my whiteboard so people understand sex. So there's just a lot of misknowledge, a lot of misunderstanding regarding the topic of sex. And yet it can be a very powerful thing in a marriage. Um, can be very bonding to be one with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, so we believe in the power of sex, but what we wanted to spell is, I mean, Kate and I kind of talk a lot about how we see a lot of misunderstanding 
specifically in the Christian community, about how sex is played out between husband and wife. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is like scripture out of context. Yes. <laughs> that the ch- church has taught. And also the idea still is very traditional idea that m- men have complete rights over a woman's body despite any type of circumstance happening in the marriage, there's still that almost like you must have sex no matter what. And that's very misconstrued and not in a way that's life-giving to either spouse. So that seems to be a, a fairly prominent issue with a lot of our clients and not knowing where to go with that. And most of them don't even know What's being done to them is not right until we say it. <laughs> it's true. And they often just need other women to empower them and say, yeah, that's completely inappropriate. And then like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. <or laughs> Tell that, me more. <laughs> that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> so how a lot of this is happens is um, for most churches, they haven't really fully investigated what the Greek words were that Paul was using in 1 Corinthians 7 Mm -hmm. um, because the idea is most churches seem to think that the woman's body is the man's possession Mm -hmm. and the man's body is the woman's possession. But if you were to interpret those words into Greek, you would come to understand that Paul is really saying, listen, when you agree to get married, you are choosing that you will only have sex with your husband mm-hmm. or wife. Mm-hmm. And you're also choosing that there will not be long-term celibacy um, with, because that's part of what the marriage covenant is about. Mm-hmm. So long-term celibacy doesn't work um, in a marriage, nor does having sex outside of your marriage. Right. And long-term celibacy as in like, trying to I don't even know exactly like there's a difference between not like if your spouse does something untrustworthy sexually with someone else or is involved deeply in some type of sexual sin and you don't trust him with your body that's different than long-term celibacy correct correct so you know even I mean, we usually we we when we have like say we have somebody who has been involved in a lot of pornography, I will say, okay, so if we want to treat this as an addiction, which mm-hmm. it is, and how it affects the brain, mm-hmm. then we're going to have to agree to a minimum of ninety days of celibacy mm-hmm. because we have to change the dopamine releases in the brain mm-hmm. and and bring the brain out of addicted state right to normal state, and you can look on. YouTube, and you can find TED Talks, not by Christians, where they talk about the very same thing, that mm-hmm. it becomes a dopamine addiction response if there's continual use there. So so we say when there's sexual addiction, often it's a 90-day, mm-hmm. uh, no sex, no masturbation, none of that, So right. to reduce the dopaminic releases within the brain. Um, but then there's other times that there's illness yeah sure and people have to have they can't have sex for months sometimes several years but that again is is part of what 
each partner needs to understand in the process that Paul was not saying, hey, her body is yours and you get to do whatever you want to do with it. Right. No. Um, yeah. He's not saying that. He's saying, hey, this is the general theme of what we're going for when you're married. <laughs> uh, you're, you should not be having sex outside of marriage. And you should not have long-term celibacy if there's not reasons for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we see a lot of Christian churches taking um, that whole one passage one <laughs> regarding <chapter>. sex <laughs> and making lots of rules regarding sexuality in marriage mm-hmm. for couples that really confuses people. Yeah, and leaves people feeling very hurt or even leaving or rejecting the church maybe because it's almost like they're shouting and no one's hearing them when right. you're when you're getting maybe maybe your spouse is sexually addicted and to pornography or they cheated on you or they're having an affair i think it would make sense that you wouldn't want to have sex with your spouse if they if you, they can't be trusted and as a woman, if you can't, if they can't even trust your, entrust your emotions to them, how are you going to trust, entrust your body to them? Exactly. And I think a lot of our clients get advice that having sex almost with your husband in the spite of all of this makes, helps him. I don't, I've never understood that. <laughs> it doesn't make wisdom logical sense because yeah. really that's not even what a lot of the other scriptures are talking about in the Bible. Right. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about Ephesians 5, where men are challenged to lay down their lives on behalf of their wife, and mm-hmm. that as they are sacrificial and in how they interact with their spouse, their spouse is going to respond to that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, and even 1 Peter 3, husbands to treat their wives with a lot of consideration and kindness. Mm-hmm. So, those, all of the other scriptures don't match up right. with that one thing that everyone seems to focus on when it comes to sexuality. Right. So from our perspective, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Some of the advice we hear that the church or other Christians give our clients because it's the same way. You probably heard this a lot where if you're dating or um, engaged with someone and they have a pornography issue, just marrying doesn't make it go away. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And some, somehow that is, so I I feel like that's a, like a myth. Yeah. Like a yeah. Christian myth. <laughs> right. Like if you have sex with your spouse that struggles with this, then they'll be less likely to do this. But it's not your issue. Like, you're not the problem. Right. So if you're a college professor who's teaching pastors out there, (laughs) then you have, like, a whole segment on sexuality in the marriage because we see a lot of people very confused on on that process Mm -hmm. in the marriage. Um, There's something I was going to say regarding that, and I feel like sometimes we seek almost like you know, out in, out in the general world, we have the Me Too movement yeah. where people are coming forth and they are saying, hey, I was sexually uh, mistreated. I was groped, sex, or et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we are experiencing that in our practice in the last year. We're seeing yeah. lots of women come in and say, I don't like this at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I can do anything about it. Right. 
And especially in the marriages where, for some reason, to us it's black and white, what is abuse and sexual abuse in marriage and what's not, but for some reason for the rest of the church, it's very gray and mushy. And that's, our clients, I think, I experience at least, my clients even question me when I'm like, oh, that's sexual abuse, and they're like, what? I'm married. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's not a normal thing people talk about, at least not in this area (laughs) over here in the Northeast. (laughs) We we don't know. Um, (laughs) Right. So, you know, consent is applicable in marriage as well. Yeah. And for some reason, people do not feel like consent is applicable in your marriage because again we're we're throwing that scripture around but your mm-hmm. body's mine you mm-hmm. have to have sex with me mm-hmm. and um so we we hear a lot of very abusive stories of how it takes place we feel a lot of women are not allowed to say no in situations and um it's very disturbing so we're going to write a book on this <laughs> yeah because uh if you want a good laugh you can google <laughs> books on healthy sex life and marriage for Christians. We had a good laugh, (laughs) but it's not a topic that is talked about in a way that's empowering to people. It's a lot of still compromising or even sugarcoating. I don't really know how to say it, like sugarcoating what it is in marriage when it's pretty black and white to us, I feel like. Yeah, I just, I, I just kind of feel like everybody takes that one passage and makes it the basis mm-hmm. of a lot of decisions regarding sexuality and marriage, when in fact, there's so many scriptures that say a lot of other things, and then we're not, we're even misinterpreting it from the, from the Greek. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess one of the things that I was thinking about is, what does that look like? What does healthy sexuality look like in a marriage? For me, I often think of the two roles of both men and women. You know, men are, in essence, seed carriers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what the sperm is. It's mm-hmm. seed. It's right. to produce. And so God has designed them to be the individuals who can produce good or bad in situations. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, whatever good they're putting into a relationship, um, they're going to be able to reap that harvest. But lots of times, particularly, unfortunately, this is more problematic in the Christian community. Men are disrespectful, verbally and emotionally abusive, and then expect to have sex. Right. When, from our point of view, your wife isn't going to want to have sex with you if that's how you know, you're communicating things to her or treating her. Um, And she still has a right to say, no, like we need to work this out first before I feel comfortable getting physically intimate with you. It's true. And now I would also say, I don't want to be that hard on the men. Sure. (laughs) Because I've seen this, I've seen this as well with women in in the marriages Mm -hmm. where women are complaining, nagging, Mm -hmm. critical individuals. And then, are very upset that their husband doesn't want to have sex with them. Right. Well, why would he be attracted to that kind of behavior? Right. Or if, you know, you're a wife in your marriage and you've been manipulative and he's been able to see that and get the brunt of that, then 
it goes both ways for sure. It, it really does. We just see more women here. That's why we're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to beat up the men, but right. it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, so if, if men are seed carriers and they're laying down their life and they're mm-hmm. plowing those fields of being kind, being generous, they're going to reap a good harvest. But it's not about doing one thing one time and expecting harvest. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to, okay, let's have sex. Um, Yeah, I did the dishes for you tonight. It's more (laughs) like an idea of I am continually proving I'm safe, I'm here, Mm -hmm. I'm kind, I'm generous, I'm loving, I want to impart good to you, I want to strengthen you, I want to empower you in what you are good at. Mm-hmm. That is what produces a lot of admiration, therefore a desire to have sex. Mm-hmm. And probably better sex than what you normally have when those That's things true. aren't there. It's <laughs> true. I tell, I tell men in here and I tell women in here, you want to have good sex? <laughs> you want to have the best sex you've ever had? You, you, you maintain that level of kindness and you're going to have much better sex. Now, that isn't true in all cases. Sure. We have medical situations. Yeah, definitely have medical situations. Or, And I think that is another hard thing is just being comfortable talking about sex in the Christian community of most women that I know only because I'm younger and recently married that I've talked to that I didn't really grow up in a Christian household per se. That's kind of cliche, I guess, as you would think of a Christian household, but uh, my friends that did especially have had no idea what to expect about sex. And they even had a lot of, I know some people that have had shame, like even when they're after being married, having sex, it was still really hard. So even, but then to talk about that and talk about sex at all was just a lot. And it leads to further and further problems so something has to change and being willing to be communicative about it right not just biological so (laughs) like in church situations we need to have sex ed from a christian perspective right um that is accurate yeah and based on truth and not based on myths or misinterpretations right um we just feel like we see a lot of women with under operating under a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. regarding sexuality. And so it is a, it can be a very bonding event. It can be a very strengthening event in a marriage, but we get stuck in knowing how to move forward sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of that is learning to find your voice in the process with your spouse on what, you like and what you don't like and what you feel uncomfortable with and what you feel comfortable with that's normally not talked about either sometimes with clients of just like actually when you ask me to do that I don't really feel that comfortable (laughs) right exactly I can remember that when I had a young adult male intern years ago who's like we were doing this couple and he came to me and he's like yeah but he hasn't even done this or said saw this yet and I'm like yeah, that would be normal for a woman to not be comfortable with that <laughs> yeah. yet. And I had to explain that's more like something that you're going to move towards mm-hmm. and she has to be comfortable with before she does that. So the reality is I think sometimes 
again, we're applying that one scripture that it's not your body. I get to deal with it. What I want Mm -hmm. creates a lot of victimization tied to sex. Yeah, definitely. And it's also really far from like who Jesus actually is. Um, so they're not really, it doesn't equate to like his ministry at all. No, because guess what, guys, Jesus respected every boundary that was set for him. Right. He did not try and coerce somebody into changing their boundary. Right. He did not. And I think somewhere along the line, when it comes to sexuality, men have been sometimes taught, and maybe women as well, Mm -hmm. that coercion is appropriate and okay thing to do in mm-hmm. a marriage but when you're coerced into doing something what is the end result for the other person who's been coerced hurt <laughs> yeah i mean i well, would think you would feel very shame. powerless, yeah, powerless and shameful in mm-hmm. the situation so um it's not actually going to produce greater sex right kate why don't you continue <clears throat> well we found this blog on desiring god um, and it is written by a male, which is was is actually refreshing <laughs> the way this is written. Um, and he kind of breaks down what Sharon was saying earlier, as if there is more in the Bible that Jesus talks about and Paul talks about about how a husband should treat his wife, not so much about this very biological sexual function that he talks about in first Corinthians seven. So it's written by John Piper and he says leadership of the husband is defined by Paul, not mainly as demanding his rights, but as laying down his life for the good of his wife. Um, Therefore uh, the husband gently and tenderly takes the lead in seeking to maximize his wife's pleasure, taking her longings deeply into account rather than pressuring her to adapt to his. That's good. So I just, I, I think that's a good quote of like almost like a summary of, and you can, you know, switch the his or her out depending on your situation. Again, we're not just talking as just guys that have this problem, but that you're not coercing or pressuring your spouse to do all the sexual favors you want. I mean, that's the part of marriage too and sanctification that you learn how to work with one another equally within the bedroom and within your sex life. It's not all about one person. Right. So, um, you know, generally, if I was doing premarital couples who had not yet been sexually active, and even if they had been sexually active, I might have them read a basic book on sexuality Mm -hmm. for them to get clear on how the different parts work and how to cause arousal because I'll have people in my office who are in their 50s and they don't know how to cause arousal in their spouse. <laughs> so that becomes, uh, again, it, it's such, it feels like it's such a taboo topic mm-hmm. in the Christian community that um, there isn't a lot of discussion. So I w- if I would have people read um, specific books on how sexuality works physically. Yeah, because a lot of those problems are way more normal than you would think. Correct. <laughs> because no one talks about it. And no one, I mean... This, I feel like this shouldn't be a taboo word, but I feel like it even is in the church. Like a lot of couples come in with having issues, having an orgasm and things like that within their marriage. And they don't ever talk about it because the word orgasm feels like a filthy word 
when it's actually, you know, sex is something that God created. Like, it doesn't have to be something that makes us feel dirty or shameful. Right. So another thing that I might have people do with couples who are having difficulty talking about the sexuality, I might have them watch the movie Hope Springs with um, Meryl Streep and Tommy Lee Jones, Mm -hmm. and they go to a sex therapist who is Steve Carell. I'm sorry, (laughs) office people. I really am. (laughs) But he's not even like. He's not even like Michael Scott at all in that movie. Michael Scott would be a terrible therapist. (laughs) But he's a really good therapist, and um, his his specialty in the movie is on sex and discussing sex and how to get people to be sexual again. Mm -hmm. So is it a, like book of of i mean is it a movie of how to no it's just kind of talking about how people slowly stop talking about areas in which they feel shameful and they feel powerless in and that Mm -hmm. movie kind of addresses that yeah because we get used to not talking about it and then you should not have a bad sex life in your marriage (laughs) like you don't have to (laughs) Right. But um, it happens, especially within the Christian culture, because it's like, can't talk about sex, can't talk about orgasms, can't talk about, uh, you know, what you're comfortable with or uncomfortable with. But you don't have to have a bad sex life. (laughs) Right. Um, So even going to regular therapy to to talk about how do we create more intimacy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you have not observed your own in your families of origin if you haven't observed your mother and father being not sexual (laughs) but if you saw them being affectionate (laughs) and relational you don't know what that looks like in a marriage Mm -hmm. you know you can't do what you haven't been modeled to do or haven't learned how to do so sometimes people come to therapy to discuss their sex life Mm -hmm. and work on developing greater intimacy so that they can have sex more um and i remember when i was i think i was still an intern that was many years ago and i had a client had clients like that and we just worked on their relational connection instead of working on the sexual dysfunction Mm -hmm. and like after three times or four times they didn't come i don't remember they came back like twice Mm -hmm. and then i was like they never returned and you're like and my uh my supervisor's like yeah I checked you healed them (laughs) yeah a lot of sexuality issues for men and women is just having relational depth of connection and how do we get there we haven't seen it modeled we don't know how to do it right and and usually that it's like we haven't seen it modeled and then what is modeled to us is the media creating our the book I just started reading uses the term sexpectations. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I've never seen like any type of intimacy modeled in uh, the marriage of my parents, but the only intimacy that I've seen is on the media or like for some, you know, maybe it is just pornography, which is not realistic. Oh. And neither is anything in the media that's not even technically pornographic. It's, Right. It's not real at all. <laughs> right. And so those expectations are bring a lot of confusion to sexuality because I'll have spouses telling me about what their other spouse is trying to do to get them to want to have sex with them. And it is quite 
not arousing to them. It's very offensive and they don't know how to move forward. So, for example, men might have viewed pornography and perceived that if they start grabbing their wife mm-hmm. in various places, that that will cause them to be aroused. That's not true at all. No, it usually feels violating or aggressive. Um, and, I mean, even... Even talk about what feels comfortable for you as far as, like, positions with sex. Like, maybe your spouse has been sexually violated in some way. And to have you on top of him or her, you know, is going to be threatening or uncomfortable. Like, it's okay to talk about those things. And that's not saying you're doing something wrong, but if it could be a triggering thing and... It doesn't have to be like whatever this person says goes or I just have to because I have to. Right. So what happens, though, in those situations is when somebody starts finally speaking up, Mm -hmm. the other person feels shameful and rejected. So there has to be conversations outside of the marriage Mm -hmm. bed saying, when you do this, I'm just going to redirect you. And it's not because I'm rejecting you. It's because I'm, I'm redirecting you to something that I actually would enjoy Mm -hmm. as opposed to something that you perceive is going to be enjoyable to me. Right. Um, And I, I mean, I think it would make sense that you would want your spouse to genuinely enjoy the pleasure you're giving him or her and not just get through it, (laughs) which having each other genuinely enjoy it again, will make your sex life really good. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. Okay. Any other strategies we would say? We would say there. And then if in really severe cases, you know, when there's medical issues, I always encourage men or women to go go pursue the medical route of figuring out why your sex drive right. is low, what's going on there because what well, yeah, exactly mm-hmm. because if you just don't deal with it, it's going to grow to be a very large mountain between you and your spouse, mm-hmm. both men and women. Yeah. I would say another thing, at least, I mean, I can't talk for males, obviously, but at least for females, if you've never talked to another married woman about sex, you probably should. (laughs) Just because you might, you, what, the odds are you're probably going to share a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same confusion, like, talk about maybe what makes your, if you go through a low sex drive, or I know my friends who've had babies like that it's hard to want to have sex again after having a baby like talk about that with your friends and it'll probably feel not as shaming because someone can relate to you right and I would say women are more likely to have those kinds of discussions with Mm -hmm. somebody of the of of the same sex but as opposed to men I for some reason um, the, ma- the sexuality of a man just kind of determines their masculinity. So right. if they talk about it, they feel less masculine. Mm-hmm. And that's where going to a therapist of the same sex would yes. be helpful. Right. You know, or even they have specific therapists who have been trained in sex therapy, like mm-hmm. Steve Carell is <laughs> in, <laughs> in Hope Springs. Right. So there are sex therapists out there who kind of coach you through a variety of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, read our book when it's published. <laughs> we, we're trucking through a book now, or I'm trying to, to see if it's a good one. So we're not sure yet to completely recommend it. But 
There's, I don't think we found We haven't book. found any books that really match what we see in the therapy office. Right. Yeah. We, we see a lot of books espousing things that are more cliche answers mm-hmm. or, again, focusing very specifically on one portion of um, the scriptures. But we're not, it doesn't, it's, we were hitting a wall in finding books that actually match up to what we see in our therapy office. Right, and to the depth of it, I would think. Some right. Some of very surfacey. Yes. Um, that we found on the internet and the books on Amazon, so. So if you have sexual questions, talk to your friends, <laughs> go to your yeah. therapist, and um, that's what we do is help people figure out what how to remove the blocks to um, greater emotional health in this particular area. Yeah. Definitely, and your uh, your boundaries matter in marriage. So that statement is like alarming to you. I would say go talk to someone about that that you can trust. That will be on the same page. Okay. Have a great day. If you have a question or an idea for a further podcast, please contact us at wellspringsolutions.com where you can email us at office at wellspringsolutions.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Wellbeing with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringsolutions.com.